Welcome to TKG's Healthcare Insights, where we explore healthcare's critical issues, challenges, and trends with a focus on achieving the quadruple aim of enhancing patient experience, improving population health, reducing costs, and improving the work life of healthcare providers and staff. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome. We're glad to have you listening today. I'm Warren Smedley with the Kinetics Group. A few weeks ago, we hosted our quarterly meeting of the Oncology Thought Leaders Network, a part of TKG's Networks of Excellence, where we discussed three critical issues in cancer center administration and care delivery. In this episode of TKG's Healthcare Insights, we will be highlighting the findings from our meeting discussion on technology-driven innovations coming out of the COVID pandemic and exploring some of these issues in a little more detail. My co-hosts today are Sarah Pugh, an oncology nurse and senior director with the Kinetics Group, and Neil Pizer, a senior consultant and co-facilitator of our Oncology Thought Leaders Network. Welcome, Sarah and Neil. Hi, Warren. Great to be here. Hey, Warren and Sarah. Good to see you. The Kinetics Group is dedicated to advancing the quadruple aim, and to that end, we have organized several strategic networks of excellence to provide our team with insights, directional focus, and opportunities to collaborate on specific research and operational work projects. The Oncology Thought Leaders Network is a group of 16 senior-level oncology executives from across the country who bring a multidisciplinary perspective to the critical issues facing the delivery of high-quality cancer care. This group meets virtually each quarter, as well as provides ad hoc input and support for various client projects, grant-funded research, informational podcasts, and answering important operational questions on an ongoing basis. Today's special guest is a great friend and colleague and thought leader panel member, Amy Porter-Takarante. Amy is a longtime healthcare executive who currently serves as the Vice Chair of Administration and Finance and Chief Administrative Officer for the Department of Medicine at Duke Health and the Duke University School of Medicine in Durham, North Carolina. Welcome, Amy, and thank you for joining us today. Good afternoon, Warren, and thank you for inviting me. I'm looking forward to the discussion. I'm so glad to have you here. Amy's a great friend. Now, Amy, at our last meeting, you graciously led the discussion on what lasting technology-driven innovations have emerged from the last year and a half and are helping to inform the new normal, or as we heard in a prior podcast, the now normal. Let's debrief and highlight some of the more important findings from that discussion. Of course, our goal is to take care of patients by getting them on the right therapy at the right time in the right place and keeping, keeping them on their therapy for, presumably, the best possible outcomes. What technology-driven innovations has Duke Health implemented over the last year or so? Well, as you know, um, healthcare organizations all have the shared challenge of uh, facing the pandemic uh, and the uncertainty it brought. It also casts a spotlight on our ability to ensure access to care when resources, space, people were greatly limited. At Duke, we recognized the need uh, to quantify our clinical needs and acquire the resources to sustain quality patient care using real-time data. It helped us uh, interpret some of the and project some of the short-term and long-term operational pictures by providing dashboards of key metrics. Our multidisciplinary team shared mission-critical data in a seamless what we thought and hope were integrated fashion. Like so many other uh, centers, cancer centers alike, 
This included the integration of telehealth visits and nursing triage lines, which uh, created capacity for seeing our sickest patients in person while protecting the continuity of care for patients who could be seen virtually. Although our telemedicine utilization has leveled off at about 20% today, we're down, uh, probably down about from as high as 40% during the peak of COVID. We're still significantly above the baseline where we started with with less than 1%, if that. (laughs) So uh, that was our primary sort of strategies uh, that we enlisted around uh, technology uh, during COVID. So, Amy, I was wondering if you could maybe elaborate a little bit on what's really working well in telehealth in oncology services, because we've heard from others that it's more amenable to, say, primary care than perhaps specialty care like oncology. Oh, absolutely. And that's that was a major concern coming in. I, I think that we've been so slow to adapt uh, telehealth because that presumption existed long before COVID came along. So we had to move fast. And in moving fast, we, we went with uh, telehealth. Uh, we uh, implemented quickly. And we found that many of our patients, understanding, one, the circumstances that we were operating under, wanting to protect themselves from COVID, were a lot more open to the technology as were our doctors. And I think that that went a long way. People adopted the technology. There were some quirks for sure with um, the technology itself and getting used to using uh, the equipment. But by and large, what worked was that our patients felt cared for. They felt that they were connecting with their providers. They felt that they had a pathway if there was an urgent need to be seen. I think that access and and, and our ability to use our triage nurses to help um, ensure that our patients got to the right level of care at the right time was critical. Those are, are major a major opportunity also presented itself for us to use some of the monitoring technology for patients at home uh, that were, especially those that were receiving some home-based infusions. And uh, it allowed us to kind of collect some data and understand more around how we can incorporate both televisits and uh, home-based monitoring into our our, uh, practice moving forward. Amy, you mentioned that the patients adapted pretty well to the technology and the use of technology, especially given the circumstances we were all in, as you mentioned. How about the providers Mm -hmm. and the general care team? I know as a nurse, um, you know, I see us both chuckling because uh, sometimes the technology adoption with some providers is slower than with others. Did you see anything surprising in the uptake of that technology? And were there any surprises or things that you didn't anticipate, positive or negative, that came from that switch? Yeah, I think that our our there was a lot of variety. You know, just as before COVID, there are there are certain people that are more inclined towards technology than others. And those that aren't struggled with telemedicine, as you can imagine. So there was no surprise with certain providers that we knew were going to have trouble with the technology. I think that our IT team was extremely responsive and that went a long way. They really uh, sat beside our providers, helped with uh, training, helped with working through some of the quirks uh, in the system 
and it provided a, a level of confidence. So I think that when we're doing anything with technology, having that help, that immediate uh, responsiveness of your, your technology team is critical. I think that our patients depend on the age uh, gap. And I think that in looking at the different patient populations, certainly our younger population of patients adapted very quickly uh, to the use of the, uh, uh, both the phone and video visits. Well, our, our older population struggled somewhat. But I have to say my own mother, <laughs> I was surprised. She, did, she has no intention of going back to in-person visits unless she has to. And she was really reluctant. So I think it's the, the, the motivators. You know, um, some people really uh, want to uh, stay at home and shelter at home, found reason and cause to actually adopt quicker than others. Um, so I think it's, it's what's motivating you being able to have that level of assistance to help you work through the kinks um, and where you are in, in your stage in life and an ability to adapt is important. Mm-hmm. Amy, have you seen patients change their expectations as it relates to the video? You know, patients kind of got used to the fact that you did have to wait for your appointment. You'd have to wait when you got to your appointment. That's just part of the experience of going to a large center, but with video, I don't know whether patients' expectations are changing. It should happen instantly, those kinds of things. Yeah, that's a very good question because, you know, we're all struggling and wanting to move closer and closer to the ideal patient experience. We want to be patient-centered, and that means that we have to have systems that work for our patients. And I I have to say, it's probably... I would say 50-50, you know, 60% wanting to come back and do, you know, uh, inpatient visits just because they feel that greater connection with our teams. And it's easier to make those handoffs and, and to help coordinate the care in person. And so, but you still have that population of patients that are well, that feel pretty good, may have some questions that need to um, have assistance. And they don't, they know that they don't have to do that in person anymore. You know, so it's one of those things where I have a question or it's just a follow-up or I'm feeling great. And can't we just check in? And I think that that is going to remain. I don't, I don't see us necessarily going back up, hopefully back up to 40%. We certainly, I think, are not going to go back down to zero. So I think uh, we're going to embrace that and see how we can improve. And, uh, you know, in healthcare, especially in cancer care, uh, continuous improvement is extremely important. And it takes a team, including the patient, to understand how the system is working and what's not working and to focus on those things that aren't working and seeing if we need to do it, how we can do it differently uh, or not do it at all. Amy, you mentioned the varying percentages that you went up to about 40% and then down to about 20%. I know that here in the Southeast, we are seeing a rise in hospitalizations with the Delta variant coming into play. So I have kind of two questions. One, have you seen that 20% number start creeping back up with these subsequent surges? And then also, are you pretty much letting patient preference drive which visits are in-person and remote, or are there any 
visit types that you and your staff really encourage to be either in person or telephonic or virtual? Yeah, I, 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 I like to say that when COVID hit and we considered telehealth and introduced it to launched it, we also looked across all of our access uh, points and did a quick evaluation of those access points to ensure that they were streamlined as possible. I think it's important lesson that we learned is that we need to be proactive in giving patients an option uh, or options for seeing uh, being seen in order to really effectively optimize all points of entry. And so virtual biz- visits is one option, being seen in person. And in fact, the virtual visit could be either video or t- telephonic. Uh, so being able to clearly articulate to our patients what the options are, are very important uh, because then it gets them engaged um, understanding what what's the what what's the best thing for them. And so the scheduling and follow-up processes need to embed that in there with uh, scripting uh, for the scheduler and easy transitions to nurse triage when necessary. And that brings a level of comfort to the patient knowing that someone other than he or she is making the decision whether or not telehealth visit is appropriate or not. So that is really critical, I think, in being able to really uh, engage the patient to help them become comfortable with the system and make sure that as a healthcare organization, we're optimizing um, the, the technology. Okay. Thank you. Amy, are you using patient experience surveys with your telehealth visits the same that you would with an in-person visit? Yes. Uh, and that's um, easily done because our televisits our visits recorded as scheduled visits, billed visits in our system. Early on, they weren't necessarily scheduled that way. We were just trying to get our patients in, get them seen. Now it is formally part of our scheduling uh, process, and therefore our our satisfaction surveys are driven by the visit, uh, the scheduled visit. Do you separate out in, in your reporting which are televisits and which are actual in-person visits? And then what kind of results are you seeing out of that? That is being done on a case-by-case visit, uh, depending on which disease center or division is looking at their data. I certainly have met with different administrators that are looking at it at that level of detail. It requires a little bit of a manual work because you just see the, the, the patient's name in the visit. If you do a next level dive, you can see whether it's a a telehealth visit, but it requires a little extra work. Of the administrators that are doing that next level of review, we're seeing that the patients, the experience is about the same. And that's from the patient's perspective. We're not, what we're not understanding of whether or not uh, from a healthcare or clinical perspective, if there's a difference in the quality of the care being delivered to those patients that's still out there. I think there's still a lot of research being done around that, and we're anxiously looking for those results. Be a good study to do, looking at comparing patient experience results from both of those different types of visits. You mentioned previously in a prior conversation about perhaps some burnout among, or maybe not burnout, maybe burnout's the wrong term to use, but some 
fatigue among staff and clinicians as it relates to volunteerism for the COVID things that are happening right now. Do you see any fatigue related to the use of technology by the providers and the, and the staff? I don't. I don't. I think that uh, during the course of the initial phase of COVID, people got quite comfortable with the televisits and videos. I, uh, I do believe that people recognize that they would eventually go back to having more in-person visits, and, and there's obviously a need for that. That said, the televisits weren't necessary. It was more about the right person conducting the visit and how to ensure that the information gained from that visit was incorporated into the team's view so that so that people understood what was going on with the patient, could get back in touch with the patient. So um, that integration of that visit into the overall continuity of care and review by the team. So I think that that is something that they're working on, making sure that that is is done and done properly. But there's not a, a necessarily that I've heard of anyway, a, a fatigue associated with using telehealth. I think it's more of a balancing, you know, what is the right number of telehealth visits that we should expect in, a, in, a, in your average practice and being able to staff appropriately for that. It sounds like your providers are getting very accustomed to this and they're getting comfortable or already are comfortable. Are there any ways that your providers have thought about expanding the use of telehealth beyond kind of the typical patient care relationship? For example, you know, many of your patients I know come from distant areas and because you're a major medical center and, you know, they probably work on a day-to-day basis with their community providers. So are your physicians within your program using this technology to communicate on behalf of your patients with those community providers? Has that been something that's been implemented or any other ways have they been implemented beyond the typical just provider to patient type of relationship? That is such a great question because I was just in uh, a a meeting with one of uh, our divisions that really have thought about this in a much broader way, looking at health disparities and how to solve some of the patient access issues. We're reaching those patients that in general, well before COVID, had a hard time getting to our sites of care and maintaining continuity and how we can use telehealth to better reach those patients, get them on a regular schedule and ensure that they receive the same level of care that as other people that are have um, the ability and the resources to make it to their inpatient or sorry, in-person appointments on time. Uh, so yes, absolutely. We see this as an, an opportunity of, of closing uh, health disparities and addressing uh, those access issues as well. Using some of our population data, it, it, it's uh, an opportunity for us to identify those patients most at risk for uh, due to access issues and creating targeted uh, strategic programs using health uh, med- telemedicine uh, to address those issues. Okay, this is where we will once again press the pause button. We will come back in the next episode for the second half of our discussion with Amy Porter-Tacarante to continue debriefing on the findings from our Oncology Thought Leaders Network meeting. 
Special thanks to Amy, Neil, and Sarah for sharing their time and expertise with us today. Well, this wraps up another week of TKG's Healthcare Insights. Thank you for joining us. We welcome your suggestions, ideas, and requests for podcast topics of interest. Please email us at oncology at thekineticsgroup.com and write Insights Podcast in the subject line. Thank you. Have a safe and healthy day. You have been listening to TKG's Healthcare Insights, a program produced by the TKG Oncology team of the Kinetics Group. TKG Oncology empowers life science companies to effectively engage with health system and payer customers by developing strategies and real-world solutions aimed at impacting the right patient at the right time with the right care. We also work directly with health systems and payers to address the critical issues of our time. We would love to hear from you. Reach out to us at tkgoncology.com. Thank you for joining us today.